WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. Welcome to another edition of Impact Exposure. My name is Ed here. I'll be your host. Phone lines are open 432-3893 if you hear any information tonight that you want to call in and find out more about or uh, if you just have an opinion you'd like to share with us. We have a packed show, a lot of good guests, uh, including representatives from our very own Cyclotron facility uh, and our very own undergrad student government to talk about uh, a new exciting project that uh, MSU might acquire. And we also have people from the Old Town Oktoberfest coming to tell all about that event coming on, coming up this weekend. Uh, later, we hope to have some guests from the Peppermint Creek Theater Company talking to uh, talking to us about an interesting play uh, that is essentially taking uh, a beloved old cartoon comic strip and uh, turning it a little wacky for these these modern times. Uh, and then finally, we hope to hear from some folks from the Homecoming Court telling us about all of the uh, exciting events going on this weekend. It's sure to be a fun-packed weekend in the greater Lansing area. First, I want to welcome... My guests uh, from ASMSU, I have Mike Weber. Good morning, or good afternoon, evening, whatever. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and uh, also a couple of uh, actual live graduate students who work in the Cyclotron facility. Uh, I have Phil Voss yeah. and uh, Mike Youngs. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, shouldn't you be like working on a data set somewhere or something? He they, just came from one. Yeah, they let you out of the office. <laughs> so... Uh, tell me, tell me about this this facility uh, that that they're they're planning that MSU might end up getting, and uh, tell us basically why you're here today. Um, well, the facility is called Frib. It's the facility for rare isotope beams. Um, it's a brand new facility, one that is hoping to keep MSU in uh, you know leading edge of science, um, especially nuclear science, for probably about the next twenty years. Hmm. Um, it's uh, a new building that we'll be putting on campus, hopefully. Um, but uh, it's it's really a a brand new facility that'll, that'll let us reach many many new um, areas of nuclear science that we haven't haven't been able to reach yet. And when you say we, do you mean we MSU or physics as a field? Is this a, it's it's new equipment? But is this uh, equipment that you know other universities have or say other countries? I know the Large Hadron Collider just went on and actually just got shut off recently. Well, well, it's both. Um, the research that we do, oh, we're a user facility, so people come from all over the country, all mm-hmm. over the world, actually, to do research here at the National Superconducting uh, Cyclotron Laboratory. Okay. Um, so we have scientists that work on site, and they work at NSCL, and then we have people coming in from all over the place, like I said. So the science that's done there, it, it's to the benefit of MSU. Uh, that MS- Michigan State University's name is on the papers that are produced from the research here, but uh, the science is is for the... The, the nuclear science we do is, is for the field as a whole and, and basic science that we do uh, for all scientists in other fields as well as material science, um, uh, medical fields, and things like that. Okay. And a lot of people, well, I don't know a lot, but I don't want to characterize what a lot of people know or don't know, but some people probably aren't even aware that we have a superconducting cyclotron on campus here. Uh, that is something that uh, it does not get brought to a lot of people's attention, um, that we've got a national lab on campus. Um, many people will find out, you know, we'll be, we'll be talking, and they'll, they'll say, where do you work? I'll say, I work at the Cyclotron, and 
They go, what is that? They think it maybe is at the IM building. Yeah. It's a piece of workout equipment. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, when you think MSU, you think, you know, party school, you think, uh, you know, nationally renowned physics program. Those two usually don't came, come in the kind of the same thought process, usually. Uh, not for undergrads. For grads, it does. Yeah. For, for grads in the physics field, it's, it's a big, uh, one of the biggest things that brings students here. For undergrads, not so much. How did we get to be, you know, such a huge... I mean, how did this, this cyclotron that we have now get to be a part of our history here? It really is a process of history. We started back uh, late 60s, 70s with a, with a smaller cyclotron, and the science that was done was good science. We were discovering, making new discoveries. And what kind of... Like, give me some examples. So, the, the basically, the science we do at the lab... Uh, uh, an isotope is kind of like uh, a flavor of an element, if you if you wish. Carbon-12 mm-hmm. is uh, the most common element of carbon, has six protons, six neutrons. Uh, rare isotopes have different ratios of neutrons and protons. So I can either add neutrons to carbon-12, mm-hmm. maybe I'll add two and make carbon-14, which everybody knows we use for archaeological dating, or I can take neutrons away, maybe make carbon-10, carbon-9, or something like this. Uh, what we have the ability to do at the lab that we all work at, is to create rare isotopes that exist for very short time periods, shorter than the blink of an eye. And mm. we study these isotopes, study their properties, and it's a basic science facility. We want to further the knowledge of the field, and um, the spin-offs that come are always uh, amazing and, and quite surprising, actually, because when you're doing the basic science, you don't have in mind a particular offshoot that may occur. Uh, but quite often, that, that turns out to happen. Hmm. And... Mike, you're you do you work at the NSCL or you're just a concerned citizen, right? Yeah, I'm just <clears throat> I'm just a concerned student. Um you know, uh th- this the I guess this this um facility has the I'm sorry, this facility has um the ability to help out the economy in Michigan. It attracts prestige to the university. We have the number 2 rated um uh, program in the country in terms of nuclear physics um, and, and i'm just i'm just fascinated by some of the stuff that that um this this facility would be able to do even though i, I don't fully grasp it so are you a physics student i am a history and political science major so okay so in uh michigan's political and economic landscape should certainly use uh more innovative science um okay so you were starting to talk a little bit uh phil about the history of how we got the the superconducting I keep wanting to say superconducting super collider, but it's not a super collider, <laughs> no, is it? So well, the NSCL, so I guess I could clarify that it stands for National Superconducting Cyclotron Lab. So okay. you got the superconducting cyclotron part, which just means that we have a cyclotron that has the ability to speed up beams hmm. to half the speed of light. Uh, a general idea, this is about the speed that it can travel four times around the world every second. So hmm. this is about the speed of our beams. Now we crash our beam, made of particles, into some kind of thin target. So think aluminum foil, but thinner, usually. Okay. And if you can imagine what would happen is, is you're going to get a bunch of collisions. Now, of course, uh, the nuclei, uh, an atom is mostly empty space, as most of us know. So a lot of the, the beam colliding into the target passes right through without anything happening. But... Every now and again, you'll get a collision, and uh, the beam is going to break into tiny little pieces. And then we go through a stage of separations and filterings to uh, get rid of all of the background, the things we don't want to study, and to just study the one or two particles that we're interested in, for whatever reason, for the experiment. So this is the kind of the procedure that's been done at the lab for many, many years. And as time has progressed, um, 
we brought a lot of people on uh, with a lot of different areas of expertise, mm-hmm. and they've collectively built a fantastic lab, which has world-class capabilities. Um, and as we're heading into the future now, looking into the future of what needs to happen next to keep the U.S. at the forefront of science, uh, the expertise buildup at Michigan State is really a great preparation uh, for this facility. So, and you're you're talking now about the the frib that that we're here to actually talk about. We've been talking about the history of the cyclotron. Uh, frankly, I would love it if we did some super collision, but if that doesn't happen, that's fine. Um, this new this frib. Tell me about this frib. What is what is frib? First of all, it's fun to say. Try it out <laughs> if you haven't tried it yet. Frib is fun. Uh, but tell me tell me what it what it's all about and why we want frib here. Um, well, the the biggest difference between what Frib is, and what we already have is Frib is a, a new and different kind of accelerator. Um, we are currently in production of prototypes, as are um, several different people, but um, we'll be the first people to really put this into practice and into use. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it is is it allows us to get much more powerful beams than we are capable of getting with our current facility. And what this lets us do is really expand, um, as Phil mentioned with the isotopes earlier, it lets us expand how many we can study. Um, of, I'm trying to remember the actual number, but effectively it it maximizes what we can do uh, and what we can study with the current technology that we have, um, which in the grand scheme of things with this new facility, in comparison with what we know now, mm-hmm. we know nothing now. So how does more power equate to... Uh, rarer isotopes um <clears throat> and is that an accurate characterization uh, to a certain extent it is okay um the science that we'll be able to do at the new facility uh is in a lot of respects is the same kind of science that we do now um but with uh the different type of beam accelerations certain nuances of an experiment might be emphasized um you may be able to produce a certain type of beam mm-hmm. and the more of this beam i can produce the more collisions i can induce the more collisions i can induce uh the more statistics i get for whatever i want to study uh to give you a general idea the kind of things that we can do with the lab currently we can separate one particle out of 6 billion every second uh this number always fascinates me but it's it's equivalent to mike here standing, everybody in the world running by him in one second, and him picking out his best friend from second grade. And we do this every second at the lab um, to produce these, uh, to be able to study these really rare isotopes. Uh, what FRIB really means, if we want to get back down to the educational impact of this, mm-hmm. as I think, Mike, you're here to kind of vouch for, um, having FRIB on a university campus and a, a, a big national facility on a university campus is a real attractor to bright minds, not only students, but also faculty as well, that, that have an interest in both doing research and teaching, which is, I think, very important. Um, the NSCL being at MSU was an, a, really a big factor in me coming to Michigan State. I did my undergrad just up the road at Central Michigan University and had the opportunity to do research here as an undergraduate. And I think, Mike, you did as well. You are an undergraduate I, right here at Michigan State. I actually did my, got my degree, um, undergrad degree here in mm. physics, and the cyclotron is, is the main thing that kept me here. Hmm. So what, what's nice to have uh, with the NSCL now and with FRIB in the future is a way to attract students, not just the students that did undergrad elsewhere, coming here to grad school, but to uh, put out this kind of knowledge, to, 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 to lay out the interest, to plant the seed of interest of science in the undergrad population, and also the K-12 uh, kids all through Michigan. We, we give tours to thousands of people here at the NSCL, and that number will just surely increase when, we, when FRIB comes. And Mike, have you... Uh, have you- 
have you been on a tour of the facility, the current facility? I have. It's uh, it's a fascinating um, piece of work. Uh, it's 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 amazing just just having just having seen what it looks like, and then trying to imagine um, the concept of of the particles colliding and creating these new things that they're trying to study. I'm, it's it's just fascinating. I can't imagine the type of things they can invent, and especially with this new facility. Um, you know, Mike said that there. You know, we know nothing now compared to what we can get with this new facility. So I'm just in awe, and ho- hopefully we can um, bring prestige to our university when we get this new facility, um, and, and we'll be able to discover great things that'll help humankind. So, so what do you do with the foil when you're done sending pro- proton now beams into it? Use them again. Um, oh, okay. Sometimes the foil, if they're really small, or, or rather really, really thin, or you put a lot of beam on it, um, they'll burn up, they'll get holes in them, maybe a tear, a grad student's finger will go poking through it or something. These same kind of things have happened. Um, for my experiment in particular, the foil was a little bit thicker, tens, uh, about a tenth of a millimeter to about to about a quarter of a millimeter. So a little bit thicker, it's more sturdy, and it actually sits in a cabinet right now, and a cabinet, and I can use it for the next experiment. So in terms of going green, you can recycle. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. Yes. Um, so a couple of questions are occurring to me. First of all, I keep hearing that we're the number two uh, program in the country, which kind of begs the question, who's number one? And do they have a superconducting cyclotron? MIT is number one. Um, the uh, the real thing that uh, that keeps them there is because they're MIT. Yeah. Um, but the the MSU really with the with the cyclotron, if you want to do experimental, is really the place to be in the country. So, and they're probably like like big emphasis on theoretical, right? And less maybe experimental work. They do have some experimental areas from what I understand. Um, yeah, I don't know terribly much about their program. Uh, they have both. We have both as well. We have great experimentalists and fantastic mm-hmm. theorists at the lab, which is, I guess, another cool thing about the lab. I can go down the hall from my office and talk to a theorist about a certain aspect of my experiment that I may not quite be able to understand. Um, so that's a really cool thing that we have. One of the other things that's really nice about having this at the university is we can we have very big collaborations that many of our people are here already and are we have a very large grad student population we put out something like 10 percent of the nation's phds in nuclear physics every year so many of our grad students are um, helped by each other in order to better their experiments and better their knowledge which having that is a is a fantastic way to keep things running smoothly and to make progress in the future yeah, that's great. Big community. Uh, tell me something, uh, and before I actually do, I want to remind folks listening, uh, 432-3893, if you have any questions for uh, the superconducting cyclotron folks, uh, or you want to talk about rare isotope beams, or you just want a physics homework question answered, uh, <laughs> 432-3893, they're kind of on a spot. They probably won't turn you down. Uh, but I want to ask you, is there a website that people can go to to find out more about the current lab and the uh, the FRIB project? So there's always the our lab's uh, website, www.nscl.msu.edu. Simple, en- uh, simple enough to find on the MSU homepage, just search NSCL. Uh, there's also a, a newer website with a ton of great information about what we currently do at the lab and what FRIB will mean to not only scientists, but to the Michigan economy as a whole. And that's kind of a, a cool thing to think and talk about as well. Mm-hmm. And that's www.allonewordscienceandjobsformichigan.com. Wow. Scienceandjobsformichigan.com. That doesn't roll off the tongue, but at least, it, at least it pretty much says what it's going to do for you. 
Um, and we haven't talked much about the economic impact. You sort of hinted at it, Mike, uh, and guys from the lab a little bit. Tell me, um, uh, is it actually going to, how is it going to help Michigan? One of the things that'll really do is, and is construction, it'll, it will definitely be a multi-year project and it will create many, many construction jobs. Okay. Um, and it will bring, um, with, when you combine that with bringing scientists into, uh, you know, this will also be a user facility. So bringing scientists into the state um, to do their science here. Um, do we charge by the hour? How's that work? No. Science is free at the lab. Um, oh, from really? the point of view of an experimentalist, you write a proposal for your experiment. If it's accepted and you're granted beam time, you do your experiments. Oh, we're funded through the National Science Foundation mm-hmm. currently. Uh, so a small portion of uh, uh, their funding comes from the government. So mm-hmm. it's, it's tax base funded. Okay. So, yeah. the, but uh, they're they're staying over at Michigan. Or East yeah, they're hotels staying. At, yeah, they're staying in the hotels. Yeah. The economic um, benefit to Michigan is, I, I think, the conservative estimate that no one can really, no one has contested yet, is about a billion dollars over the next twenty years. Wow. And so, I guess, I, you know, what's the deal? Like, are, is this happening? Is this not happening? Where, where's the kind of con- conflict? Um, or there are proposals in place between us and uh, Argonne. Uh, National Lab in Chicago. Um, Right now, it's currently um, kind of a two-man race. Um, But um, it is in in progress. There are proposals being put in place, and there are visits that are being done by the Department of Energy, which is um, who will be funding primarily the new facility. Um, It will be switching from NSF to DOE. Um, And they're going through through site visits, and they're actively looking for a place to put FRIB. Okay, and just, I mean, break it down for me right before we take a break here. Is there, who's our competition? Argonne National Lab. Argonne National Labs, and are they, do they have a football team, or, (laughs) you know, what's the, what's Uh, the... They're affiliated with the University of Chicago. Okay. Uh, Do a lot of great physics there. Um, They don't have the educational um, facet that we have, and we think that's a, a very, very strong point and a very important part that we can offer by having FRIB at Michigan State University. If Fantastic. I could throw in one last thing. Yeah, um, For other students who are interested, and we hope that um, a, a lot of students are concerned about this, we're having a FRIB day, um, October 16th. Um, we're going to be painting the rock, um, giving out T-shirts and um, bracelets to students all across campus. We're going to have several um, sites throughout campus where we're going to kind of demonstrate what exactly this new facility will do so students can actually see um, um, you know what what um, what type of things these experiments do, um, and we also have uh, made kind of a motto, and our motto is uh, "Bring Frib to our crib." So it's kind of a, like a catchy phrase that'll hopefully catch a lot of people's attention and get the idea um, across campus. So um, look out do for a that bit October sixteenth when you do that. So October sixteenth <laughs> is Frib Day, and uh, can students go to the science? Uh, and jobs for michigan.com website to find out more about that or is the a- ASMSU site? Oh, there's site? a link on that website I believe to the Frib event uh, Facebook page if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so like everything else it's a part of Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, uh, science and jobs for michigan.com and nscl.msu.edu that's the National Superconducting Cyclotron Lab, which is hard to say quickly. Uh, that's nscl.msu.edu for more information. Uh, of course, 432-3893 if you want to call. Thanks for coming in and telling us about the proposal and uh, Frib Day. Good luck to you. And uh, with that, I think we'll take a, a break, and we'll be back with Oktoberfest here on Impact Exposure. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. 
At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Impact Exposure. My name is Ed. 432-3893 is the number to call if you would like to uh, call in and find out more information about our next guest, who is named Shannon. And she is here to talk to us about the Old Town Oktoberfest. Shannon, welcome to the program. You're no stranger no, thanks for having me again. Yeah, always a pleasure to have you back and uh, talk about all the cool things going on down in Old Town. So it's this very weekend, right? Yep, it's this Friday and Saturday. Friday it runs 6 to 11, and Saturday it's from 2 to 10. Okay, okay. And what is it? What are, If we were to walk down into the Old Town area uh, uh, on Friday uh, from 6 to 11 or on Saturday from 2 to 10, what would we be seeing and experiencing? Um, if you walk into Old Town, we have a very large parking lot that will be completely full of huge tents. And inside those tents, we have all things German, just like you would find at the real Oktoberfest in Germany. Oh. So we have polk music, authentic German food, and then we have um, Oktoberfest in German style beer, as well as hard cider and some other non-alcoholic beverages. Cool. And so other than, you know, enjoying uh, your drink and your, um, what are those, potato pancakes? Is, is that a German? Yes. We actually have sauerkraut potato pancakes. They're going to be there this okay. weekend. Okay. So other than other than gorging yourself on uh, probably high fat, high carbohydrate, but delicious foods. Delicious. Other than doing that, um, <laughs> what else is going on at Oktoberfest? Is it just an eating tasting sensation? It's eating, drinking, music, dancing. Um, like I said, we'll have polka music all okay. weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and for those of you that think that you can't handle a whole weekend of polka, it's doable. It's great. <laughs> um, we actually have a band. They're called Eddie and the Beer Garden Boys. They're coming out both nights because they're so fun. Great. Um, it's a bunch of guys. They're from Jackson, Michigan, and they are ridiculous, and they know they're ridiculous, and it's awesome. Um, they get dressed up in some crazy outfits, and they really like to take classic rock songs and put them to polka. Um, so they like to do a lot of Led Zeppelin, Smoke on the Water. Oh, um, nice. And they also do a German Prost, which is the cheers, about every three songs, usually. So they really get the crowd involved, and it's a ton of fun. Nice. And I saw on your website, which, by the way, is www.oldtownoctoberfest.com, and it's October with a K, so it's Old Town and then O-K-T-O-B-E-R-F-E-S-T dot com. Uh, I saw that uh, there's there's a couple, there's quite a few bands, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who are, are there some of the other local people? Are these people from around the country um, that just do, like, Oktoberfest tours? Yeah, most are from Michigan. Um, we have a pretty large 
German music population with Frank and Muth mm. in that area. Um, Melody Hamtramic? Magic. Is Pardon? Hamtramck German? I always thought that sounded very Germanic. Maybe. Okay. I don't really know the All answer right. to that question. We'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> All right. Um, but Melody Magic is from the Frankenmuth area, and they're two guys that have been playing Oktoberfest all over the state and the region for years. Um, and they're actually new to our festival. And then we have Kevin Seleski on Saturday from 2 to 5, and he's bringing a couple guys with him. And he's actually originally from Warren, Michigan, and then he moved to Pennsylvania, and he's a Grammy-nominated accordionist. So mm. it's a pretty big deal. All right. But... Um, so how long has this event been going on? Is this something relatively new or a long tradition? It's fairly new to Old Town. This is the third year that we're going to be doing it. Um, so it's the third annual this year. And we started it because Oktoberfest is such a wonderful event in Germany and it's a ton of fun and people really understand what Oktoberfest is when you say it. And we wanted to have a part of it. So I guess I guess my big question, have you been to Oktoberfest in Germany? I have not, personally. I'm hoping to go next year. We're trying to plan that trip right now. But you can't, right? Because you're too busy hosting yeah. our Oktoberfest. Yeah, but the Oktoberfest in Germany is a 16-day event. And oh, it, wow. Um, Starts in the end of September and goes through the first weekend in October. So our Oktoberfest will be running simultaneously with the actual Oktoberfest oh, in okay. Germany. Um, but a lot of people that have helped me put on this festival, there's a ton of people involved and I've gotten a lot of pointers from people that actually have been there. What, so, I, and I don't really know, you know, Germanic history very well. Uh, do you have any sense of why Oktoberfest even exists? It started as a wedding celebration many, oh. many years ago, um, and has grown exponentially from there. Okay. Um, so it's in Bavaria around Munich. And like I said, now it's a 16 day event. It's actually the largest festival in the world. Wow. Bigger yeah. than even like Carnival in Brazil and that kind of thing. That's what Wikipedia said. Okay. <laughs> you can't dispute that source of information. Um, so, I mean, this seems like it's, it's, it takes a lot of work. What does it put, what does it take to actually put on something like this festival? In Old Town, we start planning about six to eight months out. Okay. Um, we have a committee of volunteers that is absolutely wonderful. Um, we have a board of directors for our organization, which is the Old Town Commercial Association. We're the ones that actually put on the event. Okay. Um, and then hundreds of volunteers that help us throughout the weekend, um, lots of business partners. We have a lot of sponsors, especially Spartan Motor Mall. They're a signature sponsor. Um, so it's a lot of people coming together to make the event possible. And are you still in need of volunteers? If people want to get involved, can they still, you know, volunteer to participate? What kind of things do you need done? Uh, definitely. If you're interested in volunteering, um, you'd want to call our office, which our phone number is 517-485-4283. We still are looking for some help um, on Saturday night from 730 to 1030, which is our last shift that day. Um, you'll get a volunteer t-shirt and most likely be helping to pour some beverages for patrons. And it's a ton of fun. You meet a lot of cool people and it's a, it's a very, um, fast paced and entertaining environment. I would imagine that's okay. So remember that website, old town, Oktoberfest, October with a K, uh, com. It's not a dot org. Um, and I'm just curious, sort of, you know, I, I've actually worked in the Old Town area before uh, and have participated in those festivals, Blues Fest and Jazz Fest going on. Um, and I know that Old Town is is a tight community, um, you know, which suffered some losses in the past couple of years. How does, um, how is the Old Town kind of like community? Is it 
is it still pretty tight or is it, what's it like right now? It's an extremely tight knit community. We are very much a small town that happens to be a neighborhood in a big city. Hmm. If you can call Lansing a big city, but mm, you can, but, um, but we are very tight. Pretty much it's people say that it's kind of has the cheers feel. Everybody knows everybody else, um, which is wonderful when you're getting the community together. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last couple of years, it's really changed a lot. A lot of new businesses have come in, a lot of new event, events going on. Um, so if you've never been to Old Town, which surprisingly many students haven't, um, definitely worth the four-mile trip to check it out. It's just down Grand River in Lansing. Um, and for those of you who haven't been in a couple of years, definitely worth a return trip to see new businesses, new events. Um, and Oktoberfest and the other festivals are a great way to kind of experience the neighborhood. And, and uh, I guess, you know, you mentioned uh, being sort of like a little city in a bigger city. Mm-hmm. Um I, I'm curious, you know, how, how you work with Mayor Bernero or the city council. Um, do you interact with them much? Are they helpful to you? Are they not helpful to you? The city is actually really supportive. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, we are our own independent nonprofit organization. And actually, Oktoberfest is a fundraiser for our organization so that we can continue all of the work that we're doing to revitalize the area. Um, but the city is very supportive in all of our efforts um, that we do. Great. Great. Uh, Old Town Oktoberfest again. Um, so I'm just curious about, uh, you know, kind of challenges that you might have encountered in the past three years to uh, actually, um, you know, put this on. I'm sure there was a lot of hurdles you had to jump through. What Can you have any, like, funny or interesting stories about what you had to go through to get to, get to where you are today? As far as Oktoberfest goes, um, it's hard to get people that know how to cook good German food in yeah. the city. And I think we found three really great restaurants and catering companies that can do it. But that's always a big hunt to find people that can cook real good home-cooking German food. Sauerkraut is hard to come by. You heard it here first. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you for coming to visit us again uh, this Friday and Saturday, Friday from 6 uh, to 11 p.m. And uh, you should note that you have to be 21 and over, right, on Friday night? On Friday night, it's 21 and over. If you're not 21, um, you can come from 2 to 6 o'clock on Saturday. After 6, it's 21 and over due to liquor laws. Okay. Um, And also to note, if you're planning on coming either day or um, both days for the weekend, jump online to the website, oldtownoctoberfest.com, and grab your tickets ahead of time. It's a little cheaper, and it'll save you some time. No wait in line that way. Okay, so if you're looking for tickets, Old Town Oktoberfest, October with a K, oldtownoctoberfest.com. Uh, you're listening to Impact Exposure. We're going to take another break, and then we're going to have uh, visitors from the Peppermint Creek Theater Company telling us about a new production they're working on that is uh, kind of a spin on a classic comic strip that you may have seen before. Uh, Impact Exposure on 89FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. 
Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, The Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Prime Time. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. And welcome back to Impact Exposure, uh, 432-3893. If you have any questions, call in or comments you want to make, uh, our next guests are coming to us from the Peppermint Creek Theater Company, a uh, local organization that puts on a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of plays and, well, no musicals, right? But yes. a lot of, uh, the occasional musical, okay. So, uh, a lot of, a lot of theater. Why don't we just say that's probably why they put theater in the name, uh, in the area. And they're here to talk about a new production that's going on. And this is called Dog Sees God. Welcome, everybody, to Impact Exposure. Thank, Thank you. And uh, we have with us uh, Margaret, Rachel, and Mary Ann. And do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself to say how you're involved with the project? Sure. I am, I'm Margaret, and I'm the season stage manager for the company. I'm Rachel, and I play Marcy in the play. Um, my name is Marianne, and I play Trisha, who is also considered Peppermint Patty in the play. Okay, and so we haven't actually said what the play is about, but uh, it's basically a, um, a satire or a takeoff on the old Charlie Brown comic strip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how is it different from the traditional Charlie Brown we're all used to seeing? It's Charlie Brown gone horribly wrong. (laughs) Well, like, we're actually about 10 years, 10 or 11 probably Mm -hmm. years older than we were in the cartoon. Okay. And um, we're high school students, so we're we're going through a lot of different things like sexuality and (laughs) we're involved in a lot of vulgarity. And we're very different, yeah. (laughs) Right, so I read read a little bit... uh, article about it and it says this is this was the uh the tagline that stood out to me drug use suicide eating disorders teen violence rebellion and sexual identity collide and careen toward an ending that's both haunting and hopeful which is not a typical description you associate with the peanuts it's really not so i mean do you know anything about the history of this this particular work is it you know, how did it come to be, and why did they choose the Peanuts to be full, so full of angst and, uh, and and whatnot? Well, the production itself is very angsty uh, because it's currently involved in a lawsuit with the Charles Schultz estate oh. over copyright issues. Uh-huh. So the characters in the show aren't actually named what they would be named in the comic strip. Charlie Brown is CB. Mm. Marcy is spelled differently. Snoopy is never referred to as Snoopy. Things like that. Okay. And what's the premise? I mean, where, what's the sort of inciting incident that starts everything off? Well, Snoopy has just died. And uh, the whole thing starts with CB sort of questioning what happens after you die and, like, what happened to his best friend. And um, he decides to, you know, go to his friends and ask them what they think. But they're all so far gone that um, the whole play is just sort of everything they're dealing with and their lives and... How they sort of um, are growing further and further apart. Okay, and and you say they're so far gone in the sense of what? The whole play is basically about uh, finding identity, and um, a lot of the characters are basically like still searching and have found identities that are so different than the, the cartoon characters, and are changing 
but uh, are changing in the wrong direction, kind of. I don't know, how, how do you explain So Far Gone? Um, well, like, for instance, I, in, in, in looking up uh, information on the play, I was curious about some of the characters and how they've evolved from, you know, how we know them. And so, like, uh, Linus, right? Linus is the um, Charlie Brown's kind of buddy. He's, like, mm-hmm. the philosopher that, uh, you know, uh, drops knowledge. And in, in I still think it's hilarious in the... Uh, was it the Charlie Brown Christmas special when, like, you know, they're all... Which, by the way, is just as fresh today... <laughs> it's great. ...as it was oh, yeah. 40 years ago. Agreed. It's all about, like, the corruption and um, uh, monetization of Christmas and selling and, and all that. Um, and he's the one that, like, in the middle of, like, the ruined Christmas production, uh, like, you know, says, lights, please, and then starts, like, dropping some, <laughs> you know... Uh, biblical verse and uh, I just I don't know why but I think that's really hilarious well Linus is still the philosopher okay. um, but he is also a pothead at this point in time okay. and it really uh, makes it hard for people to legitimize his philosophy so I think while he's the most wise person in the strip still people don't listen and that's that's huge for these people because they have no guidance whatsoever mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because the characters are so different from the cartoon characters but there are still themes that are like very similar like the fact that they're in in the when they're younger they're dealing with something so much bigger than themselves like charlie brown is always talking about how miserable he is for various reasons but in this like they're dealing with things like suicide and uh, sexuality and things that are like too far from where they should be mm-hmm. And a lot of it, you know, how um, all the adult voices in the old Peanuts yeah. cartoons mm-hmm. were just, you know, a trombone noise, you mm-hmm. know. So a lot of what has happened to them now, where they are now, has stemmed from there being no adult guidance in their lives from when they were little. Like, um, one of my favorites is from the Great Pumpkin, um, like, it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown mm-hmm. um where he waits in the pumpkin patch right. all night by himself. And, yeah. yeah, and Lucy, Lucy. Yeah, where sister. are where? I remember. I'm, let's get back to that second. Yeah. You just you just struck a memory. There's one where they go to France, and there's like nobody there on a plane with them, and they're you know they just show up in France and like you know trouble ensues. <laughs> I never saw that. One. Yeah, like what what's going on? Even when they're driving in the car, you always see the kids in the car, and then there's this mysterious back of the head person yeah. who's driving. Yeah. A real lack of family values going right. on mm-hmm. in the Peanuts universe. So yeah, and um, when Linus is waiting in the pumpkin patch, it's Lucy who comes and gets him and p- takes him home and puts him to bed, mm-hmm. and um, and you don't really, I mean. You always thought it was funny when you heard just the wah, 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 like when you were reading it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like now, it's like, wow, that really made a difference in their lives because they're getting drunk at school and mm-hmm. having crazy <laughs> parties while their parents are gone and, you know, just getting into all this trouble because all their lives they haven't had any guidance. The, the characters are basically a result of... Um, like the the changing of a person in their environment without parental guidance, but also like how everything else affects them. For example, Charlie Brown is a popular kid now, and in all the cartoons, he was like the loser. And um, it's kind of like he he's changed for everybody else, but um, he hasn't like actually found himself. And I think that's probably like the whole basis of the play mm-hmm. because Charlie Brown is trying to figure out everything. Or CB, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and did he does he ever? Uh... Does he ever get the girl with red hair? 
the red hair. Oh, <laughs> we can't tell you that. That's oh. very pivotal to oh, the plot of the story. <laughs> okay, all right. Can you talk about? Uh, you know, I one of the things that I've always wondered about is um, peppermint Patty mm-hmm. and Marcy. Yeah, that's us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Are they are those characters involved in? We're like not a lovers. Romantic way. <laughs> We're not. Though no. there is um, there's talk of it in the play, but they're just best friends, and um, yeah, and they, get into their own mischief during school. <laughs> they turn into the mean girls of the high school. We are. Yeah. Oh, really? The mean girls. Yeah. Oh, geez, that's that's kind of shocking. Actually, I thought they were always Marcy, especially. We, Oh, Marcy. Yeah, Marcy's... Yeah, she's she's kind of a follower now, it seems. Yeah. Um, the little backstory I came up with is that, you know, she's always been really, really smart mm-hmm. because of her um, her parents, who are very conservative, but they're also scientists. And so they go <laughs> off and they, they study um, in all, you know, corners of the world. And so I started to be left a- home alone a lot. And so um, Peppermint Patty or Trisha, as she's known in the play, um, started, you know, like, we should have parties at your house when your parents are gone. And so, you know, that sort of exploded into... Um, mean Marcy. girls. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, another one of my favorite characters, not because, like, he really did anything, but I just was always very amused by the guy that would walk around with, like, the cloud of dust. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Pen. And I was reading through the description of the play, and do you want to tell me what happened to, like, the... And plus, I can just relate to being a messy person, right? What happened to Pigpen? He's not messy anymore, is he? He's not messy on the outside. His messiness has been internalized. Internalized, (laughs) exactly. He's vulgar and sex-obsessed, and he has a horrible mouth, and he's he's really a disgusting person, but on the outside, he's a clean freak. He's constantly using Purell, Mm -hmm. and he can't stand it if other people touch his food. So he's become OCD. Germaphobe. Yeah. Yes. Great. Well, you know, parents, something something to think about if your kid is uh, messy and you let them just walk around like that. <laughs> Beware. That's, that's what you have to do. So, I don't know, uh, did you bring, like, a reading or do you have anything else? That, is there a website we can go to for more information? What uh, what can you give people as a reference? Check out peppermintcreek.org. Peppermintcreek.org for more information. And uh, when is the show going on? It is this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is our closing night. Okay, so if you haven't seen it by Saturday, you've pretty much lost your chance. It's true. And is it just this weekend, or has it been ongoing as well? Uh, we played last weekend, too. Mm-hmm. And how, how have the crowds been? How has the show been it's received? Been very supportive, Very, actually. very receptive, yeah. and um, yeah, it's it's been so much fun. It's been really great. A lot of really good reactions. Yeah, what kind of reactions are you getting from people? Well, um... It's, I don't know, like, we talked about it a lot, and it's not really a comedy. It's mm-hmm. just sort of, it's a serious play with a very serious message with some funny parts. Like, we can't, I don't know, we've talked about, you know, t- not trying to make it funny. It has its funny parts. Mm-hmm. But, um, and so, like, a lot of people have reacted in a very emotional way, um, which has been really great. Because, you know, when I first read it, I just thought it was funny but when we were talking about it as a cast and really analyzing it it has a really good message and so i mean a lot of people have i mean i don't, I don't know if that's weird to say but um have you know broken down in tears mm-hmm. just because of um it, there are really some intense parts 
So you have like the what is it, Janice, the god that's like the 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 laughter face and the crying face. It's like <laughs> yeah. a representative. You have a little yes. bit of both. The, yeah. Yes. It's truly representative. Well, thank you for coming in uh, to tell us about the show. The show is called uh, Dog Sees God, and it is going on this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, where's the theater located? The Creole Gallery in Old Town. Okay, so another Old Town event. Great. Um, and if you're there at uh, Oktoberfest, you can just... Stick around a little bit longer and wander in. Uh, what time is the show? 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Okay, and peppermint, peppermintcreek.org for more information. Thank you very much for coming in. We'll take another break on Exposure, and we'll be back with the MSU Homecoming Court right here on Impact Exposure. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, and welcome back to Impact Exposure 432-3893. We're here talking with some of the members of the MSU Homecoming Court, uh, here to tell us about all the great things going on at this year's Homecoming. And uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves around from the left. Well, hello. My name is Park Tikiwala, senior in economics, and I am the only male this year Wow, the Homecoming Court. And I've seen the pictures of all the Homecoming Court. Parth, you're a lucky guy. Well, <laughs> use <laughs> that opportunity. I'm humble, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hi, I'm Yvette Afabera. I'm a senior majoring in international relations and specializing in African studies and international development. And I am Jessica Ogden. I'm a senior Lymanburg zoology major, and I'll be starting at the College of Veterinary Medicine in the fall. All right. So next year you'll be an alumni? Yes. You can actually come back to homecoming, even though you'll be here. So still a student, but an alumni. Fantastic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So tell me, uh, first off, what's going on this weekend? What what can people uh, come see, participate in? What are the fun things that are part of homecoming? Well, we have events going on every day, and mm-hmm. you'll see us around and um, as many events as we can get to with our busy student lives, but uh, the big ones would be the parade on Friday, and obviously you'll see us at the game, but what do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's homecoming events going on all week, like float building, there was hay rides yesterday, mm-hmm. um, there's all sorts of things going on. Yeah. yeah, and if you decide you don't want to make a float, there's also a banner making um, thing, I think that's on Thursday. Yeah. That's on Thursday. So if you don't feel like going all out, but you still want to carry a banner and be in the parade, you're more than welcome to do that. Fantastic. If you want to uh, maybe be more um, ecological and not build a uh, vehicle-related <laughs> float, you can carry a banner, which uh, requires no fuel, burns, uh, creates no carbon. And you know what? 
You'll burn some calories as well. And there you go. It's good for you. Uh, Which kind of brings me around, not surreptitiously, to the theme of this year's homecoming. What is the theme, and can you tell us sort of how that was picked and what it means? Well, the theme is Go for the Green, and it aligns with the fact that we had the Olympics in Beijing back in August. So our grand marshals for the parade are actually, I think, about 30 Olympians from a whole variety of backgrounds. There's um, some people from track and field. There's coaches, trainers. I think there's some um, DOs on there. And so I guess my question, I'm glad you brought up the grand marshals, because I was looking at the homecoming site, and you can actually find out, uh, a lot more information about what we're talking about here today uh, by, by going to homecoming.msu.edu slash 2008, I believe. And sure. um, that'll tell you all sorts of events and more details that uh, we might not have a chance to get to. But I was looking at the site today, and uh, I went to the Grand Marshals page of the, of the parade, and um, there's like 30 Grand Marshals, which... Doesn't that kind of nullify the point of being a grand marshal? Because like you're like the grand marshal, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we just have so many fantastic Spartans that we couldn't narrow it down. Oh sure, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, that's a good that's a good answer. Um, I, I think I, it's a good mix of quantity and quality. Let's just say that much. Yeah. Also, a good, good also <laughs> a good answer. Yeah. Okay. So, do you know anything about past um, grand marshals? Anybody? No, no, no. Nobody? Not really. Because I swear uh, it was last year or maybe two years ago that the Grand Marshal was Kermit the Frog. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I remember at the football game. <laughs> yeah. Kermit the Frog made an appearance. Yeah, yeah. Two, yeah. Was it two years ago? Okay. Well, that's I what I was wondering. The yeah. Lyman Briggs float had um, the little green professor and Beaker. So oh. we kind of played off the Muppet theme. Right on, right on. Yeah. I, I remember hearing that, like, uh, the person. For you at home that have children, you might want to cover their ears. Uh, this may ruin some childhood uh, moments for them. But um, I believe, if you know, if you're not aware of it, Kermit the Frog uh, is actually operated by a human being. And so I, no. I had heard no. stories that this um, is just too much. I know, I know. Well, this, that's what we're here. That's why it's called exposure. Yes. Okay. Yes, we're exposing yes. the hard-hitting news that affects the MSU community. But my my favorite story was that uh, the person that was, you know, running Kermit. Um, would make him say like vulgar things and like people would, <laughs> people would you know just kind of like rock their world to hear Kermit saying oh sure but you know that doesn't really have anything to do with homecoming this year tell me more about go for the green I guess when I saw that title I was thinking oh that's great you know it sounds like a um, you know they're all worried about the environment and but it really has nothing to do with the environment or well I think actually that it goes kind of simultaneously because MSU has really had a big push this year mm-hmm. um, being a lot more environmentally friendly sure. I know Owen Hall they've changed over to eco-friendly cups Yakely Hall over in West Circle now has um, they've really increased their organic menu mm-hmm. um, vegetarian dishes really utilizing local farmers as well as MSU farms so I really do think actually that it does have a, a big push to go with um, uh, MSU going green this year. Well, not only are we going green, I mean, uh, Yvette and I are mentors in West Circle, and oh. Yakely being one of the buildings in West Circle. We went trayless now and uh, saving mm-hmm. water and, you know, hmm. things of that nature. And it's, what do you put your food on? Well, just plates, and it's getting diff. I think it, it's going to get a <laughs> little getting used to, but uh, it, it's good. It's Spartan green and, uh, in, you know, keeping with the theme as well. That's great. And actually, it's funny you mentioned the uh, eating at the cafeterias because I think one of the events is for alumni or, I guess, current students, but uh, people can actually dine in at the residence halls on 
Saturday all day, right? I think so. Yeah. All day from uh, from seven a.m. to midnight. So yeah. yeah, you know, and it's really not until many years after you've moved out of the dorms that you really appreciate someone else doing the dishes for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to, it doesn't have to be that long. <laughs> so what else? You know, what, people probably uh, think that the life of uh, a homecoming court member is all glamour and no hard work. Tell me a little bit about how you got to be on the court and what, what it is a court actually does during this week. Yeah. Well, um, we all ended up being nominated by people who know us from various activities that we're involved with, and um, obviously we continue our involvement. Life doesn't stop because it's homecoming. I personally know I have two exams this week. I still have meetings. Mm-hmm. I still have to stay on top of things. and. I know everyone else has been expressing similar sentiments regarding <laughs> keeping up with the workload. Yeah. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're nominated, and then... Oh, well. well, then um, we have the process of... There's a, a homecoming court committee mm. comprised of a handful of um, MSU students, faculty, staff, um, who went through the applications. We had to fill out, like, essays. Mm. Um, they selected us. We had interviews. What did you write your essay about, Yvette? Well, um, they asked about some of the most meaningful things that we've done on campus. And for me, it was really my study abroad experience. Okay. Um, I spent a semester in 2007 over in Senegal in West Africa, mm-hmm. um, interning and doing HIV AIDS policy work. So, yeah. What an experience. And parts, so we've got, we've been nominated, we've gone to the committee. Tell me, take us home. Well, it was, uh, I think, what, 15 people in the committee that, that, uh, that interviewed us. And not only was that wow. nerve-wracking, but uh, they just asked us, why would you want to be on Homecoming Court? You know, it seems like a very simple question, but we they really wanted to see, I guess, something uh, mm-hmm. that cannot be exposed on paper, no matter how well you write it. And, and for me, you know, I bring... Um, I guess, uh, a bicultural perspective um, Mm. from India and coming here. And MSU actually making me, putting me, I guess, making me a little introverted and finding myself and then pushing to be an extroverted individual, giving me opportunities with being a mentor and and doing many other things with the dorm life as well. So, yeah. Okay, and Jessica, why did you want to be an MSU Homecoming Court member? Well, um, my story is actually a little cheesy, but um, my parents are alumni, so mm-hmm. I've been coming up to the homecoming games pretty much since I was a baby. And so growing up as a little girl, I would always see the homecoming court members come out at halftime, and I'd really be looking up to them thinking, oh my gosh, these must be like the future leaders of the free world. Obviously, I don't give myself that much credit, but the opportunity <laughs> to be the one walking out on them to the field this weekend it's just it's very special to me since homecoming's always such played such a huge role you know, they, they tell us uh, the coordinators there they told for homecoming that we are actually student ambassadors uh, mm-hmm. from Michigan State and, and actually representing thousands of individuals you know my friends um, I don't know alumni it's just great and and this this little group that we have right here of 10 individuals will be not only in history but today uh, and, and this week represented uh, for this homecoming in 2008, I think it's a pretty big deal, and we try to stay humble, and and we're going to do our best so, to represent MSU not only to the student body and everyone else, but you know to ourselves as well. So, so I have uh, two questions that are that are uh, in in the back of my head right now. One: What percentage do you think of the current MSU homecoming court 
were on homecoming court when they were in high school <laughs> ballpark within 10% and then to what what do you actually what you are you doing all week that's, that. that's keeping like you personal experience you can, and you know you can order the, or answer in whatever order you want uh, what percent do you think were on high school homecoming court and and what are you actually doing all week uh, as a court uh, Jessica kind of alludes to uh, many events and you just I believe told me that you just came from another event so mm-hmm. what do you what do you um, what are you doing all week long well, you should really see our list that we've got. Uh, <laughs> like Sunday, you have Monday. an itinerary, oh, well. and they have a handler in the back. Uh, she's not talking, but she's eyeing the clock. So I think uh, if we don't get around here in a couple minutes, uh, oh no, that's that's fine. I think. Um, I, well, I'm not going to give you any percentages, but I think individually, uh, yes, I was on homecoming court when I was in high school, and I was homecoming king, but um, I, that had no impact, if you will. Um, on, I don't know, on, man. On I think you got a taste for the glory right there. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> no, but uh, it's a diff- It's definitely a big step, uh, and it's different from high school and, and college. But we are doing a lot of uh, a lot of events. Let Yvette and Jessica tell you about that. That's, that's the detail. Well, yeah, I was um, I wasn't on home coming court in high school but I was prom queen and okay. I think that really at that level it's a lot more of a popularity contest who you know um, but at this stage really it's not like we're voted on mm-hmm. um, rather than doing that they wanted to look at it based on merit and so they chose you know a committee of people who have been very integrated within MSU. Do you have a sense um, of how many people were nominated for the process? Um, I believe there were over 50. Okay. Um, over 50 seniors who were nominated at the beginning of the process. Um, I could be wrong, but I think that's mm-hmm. about right. And then it just kind of got narrowed down to 10 individuals. So. Yeah. But I think really, like, you know, this week we're doing a lot of activities. Um, mm-hmm. There's a grand awards ceremony that we get to be a part of this Thursday, which is exciting, and the parade and the game. But really, we were selected in the spring. Of, um, oh, okay. of of this past year, okay. and we've been doing activities all summer, oh. and it's kind of like they're really pushing this ambassadorship, and mm-hmm. so we're going to continue doing activities all year um, and through next semester until the next court is selected. Wow! So, so it's yeah. a big deal here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you're like, I thought this was for one week. <laughs> Not at all. They're yeah, really pushing really... the interaction with the alumni. Um, over the summer, we got to go to the Pentwater Homecoming Festival, oh. which is graciously put on by George Perlis, the former football coach. What's the Pentwater Homecoming Festival? Um, it's on the west side of the state, mm-hmm. and pretty much. MSU has a preseason tailgate parade party. Lots of alumni get to interact, and there is representation from the University of Michigan, but um, it's predominantly MSU. MSU, yeah. and we got to go on a you know a little parade that they have there. It's a beautiful town. Kind of warms you up for the. It the does, big event. And, and I think that's the point of the whole event there. And um, you know, George Perlis being uh, being a past football coach has a lot of athletic department you know uh, contacts and. Almost everyone except, I believe, Tom Izzo. Uh, Rick came. Comley was and there. Mark Hollis was there. Yeah. Yeah. So we met. We met and mingled, and and it was a great opportunity uh, for them to see what MSU still has in store and and can bring. So well, great! You're doing a, a wonderful job ambassadoring yourselves. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. And I wish you all the luck this weekend. I hope the weather stays what good, and uh, I hope we beat the pants off of uh, Iowa. 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 And if you're looking for more information about what's going on, MSU's uh, website, homecoming.msu.edu slash 2008. That's the current year we're living in. Uh, you're listening to Impact Exposure. Thank you for listening, and uh, do do stay with us for some wonderful torching and twanging coming up right next. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.